three, two, one. Hey everybody, welcome back to 321 Overtime. I am one of your co-hosts, John Torres, along here with my buddy Brian McCallum. And we are in Shane McCallum once more as uh, the the podcast studios for Florida today will be open hopefully by the end of November. But uh, Brian, speaking of the end, wow, um, this was not what we expected with Friday night preps playoffs here in Brevard County. We had four um, of the six teams that played lost. And I know that you said that, you know, Melbourne was probably just happy to make the playoffs again. O'Galley was a toss up and the Vieira game was a toss up. But Rockledge was um, expected to move on and advance pretty far in the tournament, no? Right. And as soon as I got to the game, I was met with all the Rockledge people telling me the reasons why they were. Wouldn't might have a tough time. This was a team, Chamberlain from Tampa. They played that had uh, just made the playoffs, but they did so by beating one of Tampa's unbeaten's in George Steinbrenner, the high school mm. named George Steinbrenner. So they uh, finished six and four, I believe, but crossed the threshold of making the playoffs at the end. And part of the reason was. They had a very ta- – I wish you'd seen this guy, John – very talented running back who apparently missed a chunk of the season and came back, and they were resurgent at the end. So this is one of those flukes of the power rating system that the seeds sometimes – and we'll talk this, – this applies to some of our other games too that we'll get to. The seeds don't always – the seeds don't always matter. And Rockers has been higher – seeded higher in the past than some of those powers from Miami who were lower just because they were beating each other up during the regular season, and so they had some losses. And we touched on this last time, Brian, but do you think that the redistricting played any part of this because Rockledge hadn't really seen this team before, hadn't really had a chance to watch them too much on film, I guess? No, I don't. It was just different. I think also the fact that Rockledge had played such an emotional last-second rivalry game with Coco the week before probably drained them. But this was a good team, and Rockledge was really never in the game. There were... There was a, a series early on. Uh, Chamberlain scored first, six nothing. But there was an interception that Rockledge returned from about its own twelve to the other to Chamberlain's thirty-eight or thirty-seven, and the crowd got really pumped up, and the team got really pumped up, and they came out and had a great run right up the middle of the the field. The running back was dragging people, and at the end of the run, he fumbled right back to Chamberlain, oh. and you could it was like a. Thanksgiving Day parade balloon deflating. John, you could see and feel all the air go out of everything. You know, in, in all sports, Brian, I think in football, it's it is the worst. A turnover, a missed extra points, get a really deflated team uh, almost instantly. Right, and yet that's part of sports, and you have to learn yeah. to deal with that. And the teams that do move on, and then there are the other teams. And you're talking about you know mental toughness, and we're going right. to be talking in a exactly. little while exactly. with a coach who is um, you know an expert in mental toughness, I guess. Yeah, and uh, man, I don't know if I'm going to bring this up right now, but I work when I was in college sports. I worked at Baylor University, so I follow the Baylor Bears. Well, they're one of the five remaining unbeaten college football teams. They're nine and zero. They've squeaked by a lot of opponents that are not very good, but they've beaten two ranked teams also handily. And they're becoming known as this gritty uh, team that just gets just win, baby. You know that kind of team. Yes, and you know. Um, and would you rather be nine and zero that way, 
or say seven and two with some really quality wins. Well, it, it's really funny that you bring that up, Brian. As you know, I watch English soccer a lot, and they are just like fixated over there because I listen to a lot of podcasts about Arsenal soccer, about winning properly, about playing the game beautifully. And so if Arsenal sneaks out a one nothing win against a team that's not very good, I'm ecstatic because if the, if the team is not playing well and yet they're winning right. and grinding out these wins, I think that's a, a sign of a team that is going to be good eventually and show it. Right. You know, but yeah. they don't seem to appreciate that. <laughs> well, they need Al Davis over there. Yes, just win, baby. So um, <laughs> speaking of win, who won for us in Brevard County and who's moving well, on and what games are coming up? We we have two games again this week, and one of them involves one of the teams that went on the road and one astronaut went north to the Gainesville area and beat Keystone Heights. And uh, both of our winners were pretty handily, by the way. And again, this is seeding. Astronaut was seeded, uh, I believe, fifth. Or well, they had to go play either three or four, so they were five or six. I have this all written down somewhere. I apologize for that, but they were the road team, so they were theoretically supposed to lose, but they won handily. And the same thing with MCC, which had to go on the road to Frostproof, and they won handily. So uh, they were the team that was three and six that we talked about last week, John. Right. So they were playing a team with a much better record, but again, who you've played has a lot to do with it. And so also this week we have... Um, we have two games. Coco, Coco Tigers Astronaut playing. comes home to play Coco, which is a rematch of last year's game that Coco won handily. And I, all signs are that Astronaut is not as good as last year. Their defense is not as good or their, or their uh, offense. Although I was at Coco's practice yesterday and their coach was preaching that don't judge Astronaut by what they did early in the season because they're playing really well right now. He went up to watch that game. I don't know if I'm giving away a secret there or not. Um and then the other game is Holy Trinity is in town. They had one of the buys, so they're at home Friday night. And so at best, Brian, we'll have only three teams move on of the, of the four the be- because Coco's playing astronaut. Right. Okay. Exactly. And speaking of winners, Brian, the Satellite High School cross-country boys team won the state championship over the weekend, and the coach is a name that is well-known in Brevard County because this guy's won, I think, over 20 state champions. Well, now it's over 20, 21. 21 state championships uh, with a few different schools. Doug Butler, you had a conversation with him, and why don't we roll the tape and then we can chat a little bit about it. Let's do that. I think motivation is an overused word in the coaching community. Okay. Uh, I'm a motivator. Um, discipline, getting kids to be disciplined is the key because motivation comes and goes. As a runner, any kind of athlete, your motivation will waver at times, mm-hmm. but you have to be disciplined and form habits, right. teaching kids to form good habits. And um, I think what's helped me, um, this is my 20th season, um, my boys' average finish um, is less than three and the girls is like it's like um three point something so that to me is important to me that shows that we've been consistent at state Mm -hmm. every year to be in the top three average at state every year for 20 years um shows that we formed the right habits we've been uh consistent and being disciplined um getting kids to buy into the program and i think all that success goes back to the very first uh couple years that i coached um, having athletes like the Joiners and the Hales and the Cooks and the Millers and the Putnams and my son, Kyle, and 
um, all the kids that bought into the program, and then when the Daniel Moores and the Kilgores and the Cacciatores and all those kids came along, um, they had a program that the culture was already there. Um, and then I came over here. They didn't have the culture here at Satellite. There was no distance. The, the Shivers and the Stearns were all gone that had that culture in the 2005 era under okay. Peter Blunt. Um, so when the when the Satellite, the Holy Trinity kids left and came to Satellite, the kids here saw the discipline and the dedication of the Cattenbergs and the Cacciatores and the Dickinsons and the Walker Hirsch, the kids that came over here. Um, so it wasn't hard. It wasn't anything really I had to do just keep doing what I did uh, over there. Um, so maybe motivation is not the right word. Maybe it's more of a continuous state of mind. Yeah, it's just, um, one, the kids have to know that that as a coach that you care more about their um, well-being, th- them as a person. Athletic satisfaction is my number one priority every year. It's not winning state championships. It's having satisfied athletes because... 60% of the kids that are 10 and 12 years old, they're not playing their sport when they're 16 and 17 years old. 60% of kids will quit um, because they're not happy. They're in, their coaches and their parents are berating them because they're not winning. Um, and so you can't improve if you're not still playing the sport. So I want my kids every year to come back. I, want, I don't want to have 20 kids that come out one year and then they drop out of the sport. If I get kids to have fun, uh, which I think we do by going to – you know, the things that we do as a team and, and um, making it like a family, uh, those kids are going to keep coming back. And running's just, it's simple. It's black and white. It's not, um, it's not basketball or baseball where I got to, you know, figure out what the guy's going to throw or mm-hmm. guard, guard somebody. It's black and white. It's just me against the watch. And so if, there's science and art, right, to training. Mm-hmm. It's, it's knowing the science, knowing when to train max VO2 and lactate threshold and and how to peak a kid, there's that science, but there's the art of having the relationship of getting the kid to come out and do it every morning. And I, um, I'm probably good at that because I'm probably on the same mental level as most high school kids half the time. My wife would tell you um, I act like a kid half the time, I guess. Well, Brian, I found that to be fascinating. Um, he said a lot of interesting things there, and what... What's most interesting was that he does not consider himself a motivator or he doesn't like the the term, you know, motivation. And and I would agree with him that I think when you reach the level of high school sports and competitive sports, you need to self-motivate. You can't rely on somebody else to motivate you. However, he sounds like he's doing a great job at keeping it fun, interesting and in an encouraging atmosphere for these kids. Now, he said something that I found very interesting about habit and creating a habit of doing things the right way. You know, the old saying is practice makes perfect. Well, you know, my son had this great karate coach um, when he was really young, and he said practice does not make perfect. Practice makes habit. Right. If you practice perfectly and if you do the right things, then practicing those things will be what pays off in the end. But uh, Exactly. Yeah. Just keeping it fun. You know, the other thing, Brian, and I'm sorry that I'm talking so much, but when my kids were we playing too, youth John. soccer, Scott Maxwell, who was a well-known soccer coach in the area, I asked him, when should I put them into comp soccer? And he said, just keep them in wreck as long as they're having fun because a lot of kids will burn out 
by the time they reach high school if they get into comp soccer too early. So, again, it's what he's talking about is just keeping it light, fun, interesting, do the right thing, and, you know. Well, why do you hear the rest, John? Because he taught, he had a kid play soccer, and he gets into that in a second. The two things that jump out at me about what we just went through, and you touched on one, keeping it fun, consider the fact that he's keeping running long distances fun. Think yes. about how excruciating long distance running right. is. He's keeping that fun. To me, that's a masterful coaching job <laughs> yes. in itself. It doesn't seem like fun to me or you, but, uh, you know. Uh, and then I asked him, because something he said about, uh, you know, just doing it all the time, and that's how you get better. You talked about practice and getting perfect and all that. There was a quote, and I'm sorry I cannot remember who he was talking about. It was one of the big centers that the Bulls had, but Michael Jordan was asked about uh, – you know, he compared himself to this player who people thought of maybe as a, not a great athlete, you know, just a tall and that kind of thing. And he said, the main difference between me and that guy is confidence. And a lot of people laugh at that, but I think it's so true. But as I said to Butler, to me, most, if not all of that confidence comes from the fact that by the time Michael Jordan had to make a tough shot in a game, he had made it 10,000 times in the gym. That builds confidence. Yes. Not just the athletic ability, which certainly is a huge boost to it, but the fact that you've already done it um, you know, 10,000 times or a million times also builds confidence. So I ask him uh, you know, about that. When I got my master's in sports psych, I, I just read a lot of uh, famous coaches and stuff and things that they had done. And John Wooden was, a fam- was one of my favorite guys. And he said the three most uh, important R's in athletics are repetition, repetition, and repetition. And it doesn't matter what sport you're doing. Uh, I get the kids just to come out and run every day, and, and we do. My kids don't take off 20-some days a year. They miss less than 30 days a year. Um, they don't run um, seven days a week. We, we're taking off Thursday, and that's our first day off in almost five weeks. Um, so that's going to make you better, not... Um, and it kills me seeing coaches that punish kids by making them run. Uh, they can't catch a fly ball. My son's baseball coach made him uh, run laps around the ball field, and he, he, he'll run all day if he wanted to. But that's not how I told his coach. I said, that's not helping him catch fly balls. Same way he plays soccer. If he misses a PK, you know, making him run around the soccer field is not going to help him make PKs. You know, make him kick 100 PKs. Make him take 100 fly balls. That's going to help a kid play. And it just makes kids hate running. Um, and I hated running in high school. I hated really? running. I hid out for every day of wrestling practice. At the end of wrestling practice, we had to run, and I would do everything I could to find a hiding spot to keep from running. Really? I hated it. Um, so I don't want kids to uh, have that same dislike for running. Once I started running and found the passion for it and found that I was good at it, and I, and I have so many kids that, that have been good at it, and, um, and really there are so many kids in every school that could be good at it, if they just had somebody that was passionate to get them out there to do it. Uh, I wish somebody in high school would have talked to me about going out for cross-country, because I, I could have run. I, but, yeah, yeah. So, Brian, 
Did I hear that right? Yeah. Doug Butler <laughs> did not run cross country. Breaking he doesn't news. Run, he, he <laughs> no, he like runs run, now like crazy. Well, well, yeah, I mean, he he runs now, but he never ran cross country. When 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 I first heard the interview, um, I had to look up some you know coaches. It's very rare. Like right now, Adam Gase of the New York Jets, um, you know, formerly of the Miami Dolphins, and he might be soon formerly of the Jets, <laughs> but he never played football either. George O'Leary, who recently coached at UCF, he never right. played football in baseball. Ed Barrow was a famous manager of the of the Red Sox for a, about 17 years. He's the guy that moved Babe Ruth from a pitcher to an outfielder, and then he followed him when he left to New York, and he became the GM of the Yankees. He never played beyond a pickup game with his neighbors. He hurt his arm in the rain as a 16-year-old just playing in the sandlot. He was never on an, an organized team. And he, here he is managing and, and a GM of teams, so I guess it can be done. But Well, this is, this is the, these interviews I like because this is the kind of stuff that fascinates me, that it's not, all, you know, it's not the X's and O's knowledge that makes a great coach. You've got your assistant coaches for that, your position coaches for that. And this is a guy who didn't he he wasn't in the sport, you know. He runs now like crazy, as I've said. I see him all the time. We, he lives not far from here. Um, it's to me, it just points out how important the mental side, you know, getting those kids to like what they're doing and to want to do it all the time. And the reason I went to him in the first place is that I, when he was at Holy Trinity, where he won eight boys and eight girls state championships in cross country and four in track. Every year when we would have an interview with one of those, they're great ones. They would, without fail, talk about his motivational tactics. That's why I first came up with the word motivation, that he poo-pooed and picked up his own dialogue, which is fine because he's very good at what he does. So I just thought, man, I, what is it that this guy does? That's what I wanted to, to talk to him about. And I just think it's interesting that one of his main things is getting the kids to like it. And look at the my Pittsburgh Steelers. What the players love, Mike Tomlin. You know that's a, an emotional thing between the coach and the players. And I'm sure there are many examples. I, I don't know that that's the case. And there's so we have this example that not everything works the same way. It's not just one way to to uh, skin an apple or whatever. Belichick. I don't know that his players love him the same way that the Steelers love Mike Tomlin. Right. Right, exactly. I think with Belichick, and obviously we're not in that locker room, so we don't know, right. but it's almost like a fear. They are afraid of disappointing him, number one, because you might lose your job. You might end up on the bench. Right. But I think they just, because his expectations are so high of everybody that you don't want to disappoint the coach. And Which so, is maybe even a bigger accomplishment on his part because, you know, we're not, you and I aren't millennials. We, we look at millennials and think, well, they just want to be on social media and, and play video games and stuff. And yet he is going against the trends and the culture and getting players to play kind of old school football in the sense that we're going to do it this way. And if we don't, you're not going to be on the team anymore. Right. Right. And Brian, another coach that I think uh, transcends this kind of stuff and his players just either really love him or they just go crazy to work for him is is a coach that I'm not a big fan of, but it's Pete Carroll of the Seahawks. Here's a team that seems to be rebuilding a lot or they don't have high expectations year after year, but they always seem to be like seven and one or six and two at this juncture of the season. And on Monday Night Football, they went and they beat uh, the previously unbeaten San Francisco 49ers. And well, that's my fault. That's my fault. How's that? I, the 49ers can blame me for that. I turned on the game because uh, there had been so much hype about this matchup that I thought, let me, because I saw a little bit of the 49ers when the Steelers played them early in the season, and Pittsburgh had a chance to win at the game, if not for a turnover. I thought, let me see what the hype is. And, and within a few minutes of watching that defense, I texted a mutual friend of ours and said, 
the 72 Dolphins may be in trouble. Oh, no, you didn't. I did. And then, uh, you know, later I, I, uh, I don't know if I texted something similar to our group chat, but I eventually went and looked and, and saw the schedule that the 49ers have coming up and saw that it's kind of a murderer's row. The Saints and, the, you know, their division is much tougher than some divisions. And uh, they have quite a run they have to go through. But I still would think that defense is really good. Although I did see some things there that, you know, uh, the defensive line seems to be the strength of, I saw the linebackers kind of getting beat outside a few times, and this person that's the friend of ours wasn't big on the secondary. Yeah, Sherman's yeah. a little bit old in the. Yeah, old he's in the a little there. bit long in the tooth there, and you know, Brian. Though it's you know, championship teams are made you know with these wins in late November and in December when the games get tough and real, and the pressure begins to mount. And expectations raise. So we'll see. I mean, it's a pretty young team in San Francisco, right. other than Sherman. Right. You know, uh, it's a pretty young coach also. Right. Seattle's been there, and Seattle has the experience. So we'll see. And um, yet, have they? I mean, because other than Russell Wilson and maybe a couple of guys, you know, that was a great defense. Sherman was on that defense. That's true. Now their defense is not fantastic. But they're, uh, they're, you know, Russell Wilson-led offense is what gets all the credit. Well, so you've got them. you got to look at the Saints lost to the 1-7 Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta Falcons yeah, over that the weekend. Seemed, um, you know, unreal. the Cowboys we talked about a few weeks ago when they were – did they start 3-0? and And I think they when they went to 3-3 like three three after that. Right. Who knows? I mean, uh, I think there are a lot of teams out there to knock the Patriots off. We'll see. We can only hope. I can only hope. Yeah. You can only hope. So, Brian, have fun this Friday night uh, with the high school playoffs still in full swing here in Brevard County. And, and John, let me mention before we go that you can follow all that at 321preps.com. We'll have live scoreboards and we got videos and photo galleries and all that kind of stuff. All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening. See you next time.